Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on a shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcasts at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English-language broadcast or a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com. You can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from France 24, Radio Havana, Cuba, NHK, and Sputnik Radio. We will begin with France 24 English, which is now available as a podcast. I wanted to find a story with details about what is in the Pandora Papers, a leak of 12 million confidential documents that name heads of state, billionaires, and celebrities who use offshore companies to avoid taxes and transparency. France 24 has a daily program called The Debate, and host Francois Picard has guests cover a topic in depth. On this show, Luke Herman, Craig Capetis, and Natalia Jansen gave limited details about the names revealed, but brought up interesting facts about South Dakota, Florida, Nevada, and Delaware. They all have areas with special laws that are offshore tax havens for what may be the largest amount of tax-free and secretive financial institutions. France 24 Here it comes, the biggest tax whistle-blowing bombshell yet. Kings, presidents, prime ministers, former prime ministers, among those outed so far in the Pandora Papers. Yes, it's the same sophisticated shell game exposed by LuxLeaks, the Panama Papers, and other data dumps that name and shame the high and mighty, who stash their cash far from prying eyes. What's new since last time? Well, you might say COVID. The gap between the haves and have-nots of this world went into overdrive the past 18 months, with the winners of the planet's digital acceleration raking in record profits. One nation may be key. The United States, whose Secretary of State will be in the French capital at the OECD on Tuesday, with the home of the dollar imposing banking transparency on the rest of the planet, will Washington agree to reciprocity, open its books, particularly in tax havens such as Delaware, Nevada, South Dakota. Beyond the U.S., the OECD estimates the overall sums stashed offshore at $11.3 trillion. What damage does that do to the global economy? One of those who's been uh, poring over the data for the past eight months, investigative reporter Luc Germain, executive producer at Documentary Filmmakers Premier Ligne. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Uh, Welcome as well to Nathalie Janson, economist, associate professor at the Naoma Business School. How are you? Fine. And with us as well, Craig Capitas, contributing editor at Quartz. You're the author of Metal Men. This was clear going on long, long before. Neither... Neither party in the UK did anything to crack down on this. Neither the Democrats nor the Republicans did anything to crack down upon it. And it's not in the American conscious until maybe someone stands up at a Joe Biden press conference and says, hey, Joe, 
What's about all this tax scamming going on in your home state of Delaware? Well, Craig Capitas, uh, let's bring in the Kremlin on this. Here's how the, the presidency there reacted to the Pandora Papers allegations. The only thing that jumps out in the Pandora Papers is a demonstration of which country is the world's largest offshore and tax haven. And this, of course, is the United States. There are indeed murky trusts in the U.S., 37 of them in places like Florida and 81 in South Dakota. (laughs) Karis Garland has that story. It's known for the scenic Black Hills National Forest and the iconic Mount Rushmore, but not much else. However, the sparsely populated state of South Dakota is housing the money of some of the world's mega-rich. According to the Pandora Papers, $360 billion are sitting in trusts in South Dakota, including tens of millions from outside the U.S. in the quiet town of Sioux Falls. The files reveal that family members of Carlos Morales Troncoso, once a high-profile politician in the Dominican Republic, finalized several trusts in the state. They held personal wealth and shares of a sugar production company, which is accused of human rights and labor abuses. While it's not illegal to have offshore accounts, complex networks of secret companies can be used to hide the proceeds from criminal activity. But what makes South Dakota so attractive for the world's wealthiest? If someone opens an ordinary savings account, the government taxes the small amount of interest earned, while any money they hold can also be lost through legal proceedings like a divorce. Trusts in South Dakota offer clients rock-solid protections, guarding assets from a host of potential claims. And since the state has no income, inheritance or capital gains taxes, it ensures much of that cash stays in private hands. The amazing thing about what you guys accomplished, which is terrific journalism and great reportage, is back in the old days, before the Digerati came, the rule of offshore was you never digitalize anything. In fact, they were not the people who, I when I was years ago doing your job, they didn't even like fax machines when they came out. Get a bird to send Yeah, the what, you would have to go. You would literally have to get on a plane. And go to the offshore with the documentation and meet with lawyers there. (laughs) Mm. So so a a great reason why these guys were caught were were the computer age. The OECD estimated for last year $11.3 trillion parked offshore. That is the equivalent of the GDP of, uh, uh, I think only the U.S. and China have bigger GDPs than $11.3 trillion. It's just a staggering figure. Surely you have to work at eating into that number, Craig. Well, they haven't done that. I'm sorry, the OECD is a toothless beast. No, but they're... Why they're... haven't they brought this up with the past three, administ- four administrations in the United States? Going back to Ronald Reagan, we're sitting around here acting like this is a big, big secret. But, okay, oh, but where do you start? It's not. Craig Capitas, where do you start? Where do you... How do you eat into that so that money can can be productive and go into... It is productive. It is not not productive. Yeah, well, if you productive. don't think it's, it's productive, okay, if the head of the OECD, Guerra, if he thinks this is not productive and a problem, then he should go up to Anthony Blinken tomorrow and say, let's get to work here and let's start by getting rid of what's going, the offshores in mm-hmm. Delaware, South Dakota, 
and Nevada and Florida, and we'll work on Panama and all the others. But that's not going to happen. Luc Germain? Such as uh, Europe is trying to put pressure on Google, on Amazon, and, uh, and all those major companies, and Apple, who is, um, uh, who is uh, uh, really present in uh, and, and, and avoiding taxes in the U.S. by being in Ireland. It's, it's a major challenge, but the money is not helping the U.S. economy as it should, and this money is not helping the European economy, and it's making giants more giants. There are some people who are, who are saying, well, this is not right, this should come out. So yes, yes, this digital world and that we're using less and less cash is, is more traceable, more searchable. Correct. And, yeah. um, and this should put more pressure. I, I hope, honestly, I hope, again, not being an activist or an activism for independent journalism, but I hope that this major scandal that is building up with the Pandora Papers will have an effect on these companies to maybe be a little more moral. All right, certainly to look over their shoulder. Luc Herman, I want to thank you so much. I want to thank uh, Nathalie Janson, Craig Capitas. Thank you for joining us here in the France 24 debate. France 24 is available at france24.com, also on YouTube and through many podcast sites. The debate is aired Monday through Thursday, and on Friday, they produce The World This Week. They're all excellent, highly recommended. On to Radio Havana, Cuba. In El Salvador, protests continue against the president and his recent legislation making Bitcoin an official currency. In Milan, Italy, preparatory talks were held for the upcoming COP26 summit to be held in Scotland. They urged countries to do more to show that they are serious about tackling global warming. Last week, Canada held its first annual National Day for Truth and Reconciliation, honoring victims and survivors of Canada's residential schools, which sought to forcefully assimilate indigenous children. Radio Havana, Cuba. In El Salvador, thousands of people took to the streets of the capital, San Salvador, for another round of protests against President Mayib Bukili and El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin as an official currency. Critics warn of drastic fluctuations in cryptocurrency's value and worry about the economic impacts on poorer countries. Carlos Garcia, one of the organizers of the protests, told reporters, quote, We do not agree with the Bitcoin law. We want the law to be removed because it's money laundering in our country. Also, regarding the constitution. We have a good constitution. The problem is that the president wants to be re-elected and he wants to change the constitution. Opponents are accusing Bukili of being a dictator. This comes at last month's Salvadorian Supreme Court judges who were recently appointed by Bukili's political party, ruling that the president could seek a second consecutive term, which until now has been prohibited. Policymakers said over the weekend that the world's major economies must do more at the upcoming United Nations COP26 climate summit in Scotland to show they are serious about wanting to tackle global warming and heed the warnings of young activists. Alok Sharma 
COP26 president said there was renewed urgency in the climate debate following preparatory talks in Milan with thousands of youth activists, including Greta Thunberg, urged governments to match words with action and come up with billions of dollars to wean the world off fossil fuels. The COP26 conference in Glasgow aims to secure bolder climate action for the nearly 200 countries that signed the 2015 Paris Agreement and agreed to try to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius or 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit above pre-industrial levels. In Canada, a judge dismissed a channel by the Trudeau administration to a ruling that found the government underfunded First Nations children's services. The Canadian government was ordered to pay billions in compensation to the affected children, many of whom were forced into foster care as they had to leave their homes to access government services. This comes as Canada marked its first ever National Day of Truth and Reconciliation last week in honour of the last children and survivors of government and church-run schools for Indigenous children. Children. Gatherings took place across Canada, including in Toronto. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu, though the podcasts are not updated. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140, and from 6 p.m. to midnight at either 6000, 6060, or 6100. All the times I'm announcing are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. Next, NHK Japan. Communication lines between North and South Korea were reopened this week. The Japanese Defense Ministry has been testing F-35 stealth fighter jets on naval destroyers. Taiwan warned that China could be capable of invasion of the island by 2025. NHK Japan. Communication lines between North and South Korea were reactivated from 9 a.m. on Monday. The hotlines have been cut since August when the United States and South Korea held joint military drills. Earlier in the day, the Korean Central News Agency said Pyongyang is urging Seoul to make positive efforts to put inter-Korean ties back on track and settle important issues to bring about bright prospects in the future. The South Korean government has confirmed the lines of communication have resumed and says it expects this to improve ties and bring stability to the Korean peninsula. North Korean leader Kim Jong-un indicated last week that he was willing to resume communication with Seoul as early as October. The North launched various types of missiles in September, and observers say it remains unclear whether the restoration of hotlines will help improve relations with the South. Japan's defense ministry says it's conducted landing and takeoff tests of -of state-of-the-art stealth fighter jets on a maritime self-defense force vessel. The ministry said two F-35B fighter jets from the U.S. Marine Corps Air Station Iwakuni in western Japan took part in the tests on the destroyer Izumo in the Pacific Ocean on Sunday. Izumo is undergoing modifications, including some to its flight deck, so the F-35B jets could take off and land. We consider Izumo a multifunctional destroyer with the added capability of deploying F-35B fighter jets. It will be used for our country's defense. 
The Japanese government says F-35B units will not be deployed full-time on Izumo. It says that means the vessel will not be regarded as an attack aircraft carrier, which is banned under Japan's constitution. The MSDF plans similar modifications to Izumo's sister destroyer, Kaga. Taiwan's defense chief is warning China will be capable of launching a full-scale invasion of the island by the year 2025. Beijing has already sent 150 military aircraft this month into Taiwan's air defense identification zone. The defense minister said by 2025, China would be able to keep the cost of a conflict at a minimum. He said this means Beijing would be fully prepared to start a war. Taiwanese officials say China has been steadily deploying nuclear submarines and missile destroyers. In response, Taiwan's parliament is weighing an $8.6 billion spending bill that includes building long-range missiles and warships. A senior U.S. government official has said the United States and China have agreed in principle that their presidents will hold online talks by the end of this year. The development comes after U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and Yang Jiechi, a Politburo member and China's top diplomat, met in Zurich on Wednesday. A senior official of the Biden administration told reporters the meeting lasted about six hours. In a statement, the White House said Sullivan conveyed U.S. concerns about China's actions related to human rights and Taiwan and other areas. It added that Sullivan made clear that Washington will continue to engage Beijing at, quote, a senior level to ensure responsible competition, unquote. The Chinese foreign ministry said Yang explained Beijing's stance on issues such as Taiwan and human rights. He called on the U.S. to respect China's sovereignty and stop interfering in its internal affairs. The ministry noted that the U.S. indicated it adheres to the one-China principle that Taiwan is part of China. The ministry said Yang objected to using the word competition to characterize the bilateral relationship. It quoted him as saying that China and the U.S. and the world would benefit if the two countries cooperate, but it would be extremely damaging if they confront each other. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 7245 and 7355 or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show, which I freely distribute to radio stations and the Internet. We will conclude with Sputnik Radio. On his program called Going Underground, Afshin Ratansi spoke to Victor Gao, Vice President of the Center for China and Globalization. They discuss U.S. and NATO militaries building up in nearby waters, the West using the freedom of navigation to challenge China's sovereignty, and the recent energy crisis in China. Victor also spoke of the dangers of the AUKUS Agreement, which plans for Australian nuclear submarines. Sputnik Radio.
Joining me now from Beijing is the Center for China and Globalization's Vice President, Victor Gao. It's the day after um, you have uh, Britain's uh, Queen Elizabeth aircraft carrier coming towards your maritime borders, NATO countries openly threatening your existence, USS Ronald Reagan uh, strike carrier force uh, sailing towards you. Uh, bad times for China? Yes, of course. Uh, there have been lots of incursions of foreign forces, their aircraft carrier, naval ships of all kinds, and possibly submarines into China, South China Sea, and other waters uh, around China. This is a very serious matter, and China condemns such uh, incursions. And they are not purely freedom of navigation exercises. They are using freedom of uh, navigation as an excuse to challenge China's sovereignty and territorial integrity. And in such a way, China not only condemns it, but will prepare the consequences for such violations of China's national interest. Now, you know, repeated uh, expert opinion over the decades saying China's economy was about to blow up, it's uh, poor growth, all the rest of it. Uh, we have headlines uh, in NATO nation media saying you have massive power cuts, you, uh, let alone the human rights abuses in Xinjiang. Uh, what, I mean, is the power on in Beijing? It looks uh, like the, you have the lights on there. Uh, apparently, coal stocks for only 15 days left for uh, the six biggest uh, power generation companies, 11.3 million tons as of the 21st of September. Well, talking about the power shortage in China, I would say to a very large extent, the wound was inflicted by China itself. Why? Because China now has declared to the world and has informed the Chinese nation, uh, by 2030, China need to have the peaking of the CO2 emission, and by 2060, China need to achieve neutrality of CO2 emission. As a result of that, the Chinese government is really putting a lot of pressure to close down coal-based uh, power stations. And that actually was a big reason why there has been recently a big shortage of power. In some places, abrupt uh, cutting off of power supply without informing the people in a timely manner should be corrected, I would say. And then the government and the power suppliers need to figure out a better way to make sure that while China is absolutely doing the right thing to cut down the CO2 emission by closing down some of the uh, coal-based power plants, how China can manage to provide enough power from other sources to the end users, that's a challenge that China needs to uh, balance off going forward. No one's measuring the uh, fossil fuel emissions of all these warships uh, from NATO, uh, from the US and UK headed uh, your way. Uh, what did you make of uh, these revelations in Washington of General Milley, the Joint Chiefs, uh, US Joint Chiefs chairman, uh, saying that he had to reassure a Chinese counterpart that there was not going to be a first nuclear strike on uh, China? First of all, I think General Milley is highly regarded and respected from the Chinese side. Now, what uh, is happening in Washington, the congressional hearing and uh, General Miller's testimony uh, at the congressional hearing is a reconfirmation of one point. Uh, that is a very important point. That is, there will be no war between China and the United States 
And that is in the best interest of mankind. There are people who are very eager and agitated to provoke a war between China and the United States, but they are not doing that in the interest of the American people. Some people in the United States even claim that China and the United States are destined to have a war with each other. They a little understand the consequence of a war between China and the United States. Uh, you have said, I noticed previously, that uh, Australia will lose its privilege of not being targeted by Chinese nuclear weapons thanks to this surprise AUKUS deal between Washington, London and uh, Canberra. Uh, is, is that going to happen? Should uh, there be nuclear missile upgrades to the nuclear submarines now being uh, talked about uh, coming from uh, Britain and the United States? Well, first of all, this AUKUS is very much against the megatrend in the world because world today needs peace and stability. By possessing nuclear weapons, nuclear submarines, and they are kind of fine-tuning it. They claim that it is nuclear-powered submarine. It is not nuclear-weaponized submarine. But I would argue the difference or the hair splitting is really very much artificial because a submarine is a weapon, and if it is powered by nuclear power, that nuclear-powered submarine can strike or can be attacked in time of war. And attacking a nuclear-powered submarine will turn that submarine in itself into a big explosion, and that definitely will constitute a big nuclear weapon to start with. Therefore, I would say, by possessing nuclear submarine, either nuclear-powered submarine or nuclear weaponized a submarine, Australia will no longer qualify as a member of the nuclear-free South Pacific Zone. So I would say the Australian government is not informing the Australian people, 23 million of them, sufficiently about what will be the consequence of AUKUS. Because I believe the Australian people do not want to lose that privilege and coveted status of being a nuclear-free country, living in that big, beautiful bubble of South Pacific nuclear-free zone, because by losing that status, Australia will be targeted with nuclear weapons. Kamala Harris, Joe Biden's vice president, said Beijing continues to coerce, coerce to intimidate and to make claims to the, uh, the vast majority of the South China Sea. Uh, you think uh, the Communist Party will remain calm as the rhetoric uh, is uh, heated up more and more in coming weeks? Listen, the Americans should know better than many other countries because in 1945, when Japan unconditionally surrendered, Japan surrendered all the islands, isle, reefs in the South Pacific Sea to the Republic of China because at that time, China in the form of the Republic of China, the United States and the former Soviet Union and Great Britain, and to a lesser extent France, we were the victor nations after defeating Nazi Germany in Europe and imperialistic Japan in the East. And Japan surrendered everything to China in 1945. China in 1945 was the only independent country standing on its feet after winning the war against Japan. So the United States knew this better than many other countries. As a matter of fact, the United States dispatched its own naval forces to help the Republic of China naval forces to reclaim all these islands and reefs 
in the South China Sea from the surrounding Japanese soldiers. Therefore, we do not need to look beyond 1945. We just need to stop at 1945 and check all the historical records. And China has undisputable claim to those islands and reefs, etc. And when you accuse China of violating other countries' claims, where did they trace their claim back to 1945? We need to call a spade a spade. Victor Gao, thank you. That interview was by Afshin Ratansi from his program called Going Underground on Sputnik Radio, the current name for the voice of Russia, available online at rt.com and on YouTube, search for Going Underground. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people like you to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with a podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 25th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.